got a cell phone with you today? Yeah? I've got one, and here's what it does quite often. Uh, April, who is, you know, like my right hand uh, here at work, she will put things on my calendar, and it'll go to my phone, and all of a sudden, I'll hear, I'll, I have an appointment, or I have a meeting, or I have something due, or, you know, something on there, and it's like, ding, and I look, and it'll say, you have a meeting in 15 minutes, or you have a meeting tomorrow, or you have a meeting, blah, 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 fill in the blank, and that was real good, like, five or six times a day, but when you start getting busier and busier and busier and April becomes more computer, you know, efficient and she's putting like everything, it's just like ding, 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 ding all day long, ding, 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 to the point of these reminders mean nothing to me. It's like I hear it so much that I just don't hear it. You ever do that? I visited a young, a, a, a girl, it's honest to goodness truth. I visited this girl in the hospital, and she had been in a tragic car wreck, and she wasn't in a coma, but she was heavily sedated, and uh, she had some brain injuries, and she was out. Well, we went into the room, and her mom was there, and started talking to her mom, and I said, we can move out in the hallway. We don't want to disturb Rachel, was her name, and, and she goes, oh, no, it won't bother her a bit. And we stood there and talked for 20 minutes, and that young lady, the TV's blaring, the mom and I are talking about the young lady, and there was not one little spark of recognition that anything was going on with this, this girl until her cell phone, a text message came in, and it said, ding, and she went, what was that? Immediately. I'm not kidding. My hand on the Bible, that's the truth. Immediately, her focus went to I heard something that sparked something in me. I was able to drown out everything else. I was able to ignore everything else. But when that familiar signal hit me, it sparked something in me that produced a reaction. It produced something, an action that had to be taken. And see, sometimes I think that's how Christianity is. We have all of this external noise and we have all of these... This, stuff around us in our day and we come to church and we sit here and we hear the gospel and we hear God's teaching and we hear what it is from the Bible that God wants us to do and sometimes it becomes like a rock just being skipped off of a pond it might make a little ripple or two but it really doesn't sink down deep and we've heard it so much that we just don't even hear it anymore is anybody sitting beside somebody that they can just totally tune out <laughs> look at the husband's going no no and please don't tell her, don't tell her. See, we can drown all of this Christianity stuff out too if we want to. And I think sometimes we just need a reminder of who we are. A reminder of some things that are important to, to God about our Christianity. If you've got your Bible, turn it over to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 17. I want to quickly give you a little background on this. It's written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing it to the Colossians, this, this church body. And what he primarily talked about was unity within the body, unity within the body, unity within the body, supremacy of Christ, supremacy of Christ, supremacy of Christ, unity, 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 supremacy, supremacy, supremacy. And he was writing this specifically to 
count, uh, to, to talk against and to correct some heretical teachings that were going on in this place. And when we get to this part, he starts reminding them. He's writing this to believers. So there's this timeless theological truth that we can grab from it today. And that we can glean from it and we can apply today. So as we begin this, as we read God's word and before we pray... Let's just get our minds ready. God has got something in his word for us today. Do you believe that? Me too. Otherwise, we shouldn't even showed up. We should have left after the singing, right? Yeah? What's God got for you today? Let's read this if you've got it. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to go through the whole thing very quickly. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once too walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ in all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come into your house and to worship and to hear your word. And we pray, Lord, that you'll find your servants obedient to your word. Lord, that you'll have said what you want said and not what you don't want. But no matter what, God, that you'll use it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. We've been looking at conflict and how to avoid conflict and how to handle conflict and how to deal with conflict. And sometimes the result, uh, if, if the result of conflict is not handled in a, a non-biblical way, well, it's going to lead to disunity. If you don't handle conflict, which is going to come up the way God intends for it to be handled, division is going to occur. Paul is writing this to believers. Paul is writing this to believers. He's writing about unity to believers because most disunity comes from non-biblical behavior. Right? Can we agree with that? Disagreements on personal choice. But if we follow the Bible, if we remember who we are in Christ, then conflict can be battled. And sometimes that's all we might need is a little, rem a little reminder. We need a little ding. We need a little something to spark. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We need something that's going to remind us of 
what God's expectations are. And the first thing I want you to look at this morning is I want us to remember who we are in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember who I am in Christ. Look at verses 1 through 4. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind to the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, there's folks who walked into this room this morning just with a diminished attitude, living an inconsequential Christianity. You came in this morning and you're down and you're trodden down and you feel like you're on the bottom and you didn't walk in here expecting God to do anything in your life this morning. Because everything is woe is me. Everything is, my my life has become so inconsequential that Satan wouldn't bother me because there's no reason to. I'm not having an effect on anyone around me. And Paul is saying to the Colossians here, remember who you are in Christ. Remember who you belong to. Remember what price has been paid for you. When he says, if you have been raised with Christ. Colossians chapter 2, he says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. We don't just say that up there, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. It's not just something that we kind of thought sounded catchy. You have been the old self Put under the new self brought up. This if, when he says, if you have been raised. Any com- are there any computer programmers in here? Okay. There's a statement in, in computer programming. It's called an if-then-else. And here's, here's the way an if-then-else works. If this condition is true, then this will happen. Else, this will happen. That's the way it works. If this is true, then this is going to happen. Else, this is going to happen. That's your two choices. If, then, else. And Paul says, if you have been been raised with Christ, then seek out the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of... It means endeavor to find. When it says seek, struggle to find the things of God that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, you will also appear with him. See, the reason that, that some walk in here who may know Christ as their Lord and Savior and they're living this diminished life of Christianity, this inconsequential Christianity, it's because you've forgotten who you belong to. You have forgotten who you are. You, if you are a born-again believer, you are a child of Almighty God. You have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, his one and only son, who was sent to this earth to die for you. You are special. You are not the same person you used to be. You belong to God now. You are not on your own. The the Holy Spirit indwells you, lives within you, and is with you all the time. 
There, there is no reason for defeat. And here's what it's a picture of when he says, your, your life, your life is hidden. Your life is hidden. Remember, the, he's got the whole world in his hands. That's what it's a picture of. But here, God doesn't hold you in his hand like this and walk around. He puts the other one on top of it. This is what it's a picture of. It's a picture of a tent being laid across the people so the rain doesn't hit them. It's a picture of a mama chicken spreading out its wings and covering the, the chicks so the weather won't hit them and they're protected from anything that can harm them. Your life is hidden away and the Bible tells us that once you're here, nothing can snatch you from his hand. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing that will ever remove you from the hand of God. And yet we walk around like we're just teetering on the edge of our salvation and, oh man, I hope I don't fall off. And, and we say, you know, there's nothing that I can do to work my way into heaven. Not by works because I'd brag about it. That's what the Bible says. It's only by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus that we enter into this relationship. Paul is starting this out very purposefully when he says, if you have been raised, then do these things. Because it's hard to look for things in heaven. It's hard for the unsaved man. It's hard for the person who doesn't know Christ to do these things. See, that's the categories. Remember the if, then, else. Here's the categories. You know Christ is your Savior or you do not. You know him as Lord and Savior or you do not. He is the Lord of your life or he is not. You are a born-again believer, child of God, or you are not. And when when unsaved people face these trials and these struggles in the world and conflict happens sometimes we act shocked because lost people act like lost people but a lot of times they can't tell us from themselves because we look so much like them right we need to remember who we are look at the next thing we're going to go quickly Number two, remember what is expected. Remember what is expected. Everywhere we go, we have expectations, right? We have a list of expectations. When I go to job, my job here, when I come to work, there's a list of things that are expected. When I was growing up, my mom and dad had a list of expectations. When I uh, have somebody that I'm talking to about a job, there's a list of expectations. We have expectations of our children. We have expectations of our spouse. There's expectations wherever, wherever we go. And the Bible is no different. When you become a child of God, it's not let's just get a, a membership card that I can stick in my wallet. Now I'll go about however I want to do it. I have now be become a child of God and there are expectations of me. I am not going to do these, meet these expectations because I want to keep my salvation. I am going to strive to achieve these expectations because of my salvation. There's a huge difference there. There's a huge difference. So look what Paul says on right here. He says, put to death 
therefore, what is earthly in you. And, and just in case they didn't know what earthly in you meant, he makes a list. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, which is the same, same word right there where we get our word pornography. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. When it says put to death, what, what it means in Galatians, it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. It means I have cut the throat of these things in my life. I have cut the neck of these things. And these cannot be a part of my life. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. And, and here's what it means, that first list, sexual immorality. and pure, That's how we relate to God. See, you might have a computer in your upstairs bedroom that don't nobody know about. And when your wife goes out of town, there's no telling what you might do on it. And nobody knows, God knows, and it affects your relationship with him. Do not underestimate what the internet, how the internet can destroy your family. Don't underestimate the power that Satan has through this internet. I'm not saying the internet's a bad, you know, it's all a bad thing. It's very useful for some things. But if it's destroying your family because you can't stop looking at porn, walk over to your computer, yank it off the table, and throw it out a window. Right? If you're an alcoholic, I, don't, I wouldn't leave a bottle of Jack Daniels sitting on my front room table just to see if I could walk by it. And if you can't control the, the, this desire and this passion and this pornography, and, and, then, then please come see us for help because we can help you. And I can't tell you how many people we've talked to who said, boy, I need help with that. I said, well, let's get the computer out of your home. Oh, I don't want to do that. But wait, you just said I want help. Let's get the computer out of your house. I don't want to do that. Well, let's tell your wife you have an issue. Oh, I don't want to do that. Well, what do you want to do? You want me to say a magic prayer and it just go away? That's a choice. It's a choice that we're making. And it kills this relationship with God. We can't live in this sin. We can't live in this immorality. We, can't. we have taken some of the very... Premises of Christianity like marriage and we've reduced it to what we want it to be. Where I am going to live my life however I want. I'm going to live with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. And then I'm going to call the church up and I'm going to have me a big old white dress wedding. And because I'm doing it in church, God is obligated to, to bless my marriage. But no matter how I started it off, that's wrong. God is not obligated to do anything but be God. And do whatever he wants according to his word. And if that's who we've become, Paul, Paul is telling them, stop it. You see what he said? He says, stop it. Put to death. Cut the throat of this stuff that's destroying your life because it's destroying your relationship. The next list he puts there, it uh, destroys our relationship with others. It destroys relationship with, with people. You can't be a, an angry, hateful, mean person and just, you know, wonder why you don't have a thousand friends. You can't be that person and, that lies about everything and wonder why 
It, it destroys re, re, these human relationships with you. Look what else he says. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is a picture that Paul's painting. How many of y'all like new clothes? Oh, come on. Get with me this morning. <laughs> How many of y'all like new clothes? There you go. Now you're being honest. I like new clothes. I need a new suit. I've lost a lot of weight. And if, you could, if I could lift up this jacket, which I'm not going to do, you'd see that these pants are about four sizes too, too big for me, and they're all bunched up. Isn't it true, Mike? He's the only one that sees back there when he's putting his microphone on. You'd see they're all bunched up. Here's what this is a picture of. It's a picture of everything you have on being stripped off before God. Till you're in your birthday suit and God handing you a new suit of clothes to put on. Perfectly tailored, by the way. And it's not something that's ongoing. This is something that happened when you accepted Christ and became a believer. See, the suits that I have on before I knew Christ has that, that, that moral impurity in it. It's got the wrath in the pockets. It's got the anger. It's got all of these things that are displeasing to God. It's got the, the idolatry, the desire, everything. And when he strips that away when I become a believer, he does not hand me a new suit of clothes with those things in it. I have to choose to put those there myself. Now, if I accept Christ as my Savior, don't get, what I, don't get confused on what I'm saying. If, if, if you get a, have an alcoholic that gets saved today, you know what tomorrow you have? Yeah, you're thinking it, a saved alcoholic. If there's a teenage girl in here who's out of wedlock and pregnant and she got saved today, tomorrow you're going to have an unmarried saved pregnant girl right there's consequences to sin God does not just magically take away consequences to sin and sometimes our consequences may last a lifetime because of the sin in our life but what he does do is start molding you like clay taking you and making you look like he wants you to look taking his word and bouncing it off against you and and testing you and bringing these trials and bringing these things that just continue to mold and make you into who it is that he wants you to be and we have a choice about those things we can be disobedient I had a theology teacher uh, and I want you to think about this who, who told me this he said do you believe we have the choice about sin about sinning and I said hmm he said okay what about the choice about sin about being a sinner. No, I don't have a choice about being a sinner. I'm a sinner. You have the choice about whether or not you sin. And I thought, yeah, what? I don't know. And that's the, that's the answer you give the instructors at seminary when you just really just want them to leave you alone and not destroy you in front of everyone. And he said, think of one sin that you commit that's not a choice. That comes back to a choice and the whole class sat there and we couldn't think of anything am I a sinner absolutely 
Can I choose to do things God's way by seeking what's above? Absolutely. Too often we left our, let ourselves off the hook. Well, I'm just a sinner by nature and saved by the grace of God. And I've just got to go on doing whatever it is I'm doing. Wrong. Paul is telling the Colossians here, stop being that old person. You've been stripped bare naked like the first time you were in the hospital. And here's your new suit of clothes. Put these on. You are now in my family. And this is who you've become. And then he says this. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. He said there's no favoritism. Then look what he began. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven. Uh, and above all things, put on love. See, he's not just telling, reminding them of the things they shouldn't do. And often church becomes that. The church of the thou shalt not. Thou shalt not do this. You shouldn't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. But it also tell, he's telling them, here's as Christians, if you have been raised with Christ, if these are the things that you should start to look like, you should be compassionate. You should be loving. You should be kind. It's a list of things that not is going to get us into heaven if we check them all off. But because of who we are, this is who we become. Our list of expectations for everything. When, when we go out to eat, it's like our list of expectations. I, man, I expect my drink to be filled, but I don't want it to, her to be here too much bothering me. I want her to make sure that all my needs are satisfied without ever really disturbing me. I want to make sure the food is perfect. I, want, I have these lists of expectations sometimes. And then as a, as a Christian, what we want to do sometimes is live this life that void of expectation and what it does is lets us off the hook there are lives in this room today that need to change because you're not living up to the expectations of the life that you've been given there are days where I have to reflect back and go you did not live up to God's expectations today and I have to get on my face and I have to ask for forgiveness God's expectations, do we work for salvation? No. Are there things expected of us differently because we're saved? Yes. Yes. Does he expect something? Well, I'm a certain age. so I, No, doesn't say that. Well, I'm not a certain age yet, so God doesn't expect as much. No. If you are a Christian, if you are a Christian, there's expectations. These new clothes that have been put on you. Look at the next, remember what is expected, and let's go to the next one. There's a typo on that, remember what, what is expected. The next thing is remember how victory is accomplished. Remember how, we need to remind ourselves, how many of you would raise your hand and say, I have read the Bible all the way through, okay? Uh, first service, hardly anybody, few. In here, not a lot. Probably 25%, rough estimate. So what we're saying is, I'm not willing to read the book that I'm basing my life on that is God's holy word. Is that what I'm saying? Read the book. Read the book. Read the book. It's got God's desires. You're not going to know God's desires if you don't read his word. But here's the deal. I've read toward the end, at the back, and guess what? 
We win. We win. And if you don't like horses, I'm sorry. We're coming back. Christ is going to be leading and we're going to ride in. I don't know if there's going to be, but we're going to ride in with him. We win. We're not on the losing team. Our team wins. Our group is number one. We're with Christ and we are the victors. I see this picture of us walking around and people throwing those little rings, you know, like they used to do at the Olympics, those little olive, you know, those little deals. We win. Do we believe that? See, you don't even believe it. Do you believe it? Then why don't we act like it? Why do we walk around? Why do we walk in here and not expect God to do anything? Oh, Lord, you don't know the bills I have. You don't know what my kid's doing. You don't know what my husband's doing. You don't know what my wife is doing. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. We are on the winning team if you have been raised in Christ. If you have this born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. Look what he reminds them of. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, the past things we were looking at, he says, seek the things of heaven. Set your mind on things above Put to death these things, put away, put on, bearing, forgiving. It's all of these, put on love. It's all of these, these things that we must do that we have a choice about doing. I don't have to seek what's ahead. It says, if, if I'm a believer, I'm supposed to. But it's something I have to be doing. This let is a submissive behavior. Let. Just let this happen. Just let the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding of man, just flood you. Let this happen if you are a believer. Let me put all these other things. Let me do these things that you say, and then I'm just going to send back and let the peace of God. I'm going to let the, the peace of God. I'm going to let the understanding. I'm going to let the word of Christ dwell in me. If I read his word, all I got to do then is just let it dwell in me. Let the Holy Spirit work. Let, the, let God do what he wants to do with me. Just submit this peace that rules in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We do pretty good with the teaching. We don't really like the admonishing, do we? Anybody in here said, boy, I really got admonished this week and I loved it. Anybody? Hey, we should. We should. That's what it says. The Bible's good for correcting, rebuking, right? So I can become this ball of clay, this thing that God wants me to be. Sometimes I need a brother or sister in Christ to come up to me and say, you need to stop it. Sometimes I need a, an older gentleman to sit me down and go, you know what, boy? And show me from God's word where my behavior is not lining up. Sometimes I need to do that with people. And you know what? I can't think of anybody yet, with the exception of one person, that ever takes it well. Ever. 
the, the last time I said, I, I need to sit down with you, uh, a couple, you, you want me to marry you, and uh, you're, you know, I, I want to show you what God's word says about it and how you're starting this out and what all that means and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, we're not going to do that. We're not going to not live together. Not, we're not going to do that. And I just said, I, not being mean or nothing, I'm not marrying you. You can't do that. Yes, I can. I said, it's cool. Got a contract. I don't really have a contract. I said, sure I can. I don't have to marry or bury anybody. And I refuse to watch you walk down that aisle in the big white dress knowing the way this is starting out, expecting God to bless it. That's what we're doing, right? We're asking God, bless this marriage. I'm doing it my way, though. Uh-uh. I refuse to do it. And this, these people got mad and wrote a letter about me. We don't like to be admonished. And, and you know what? It's not, I, I, it's not an admonishment like, boy, Andy, I really don't like that tie. I just don't care for that color, and you should never wear that on the platform again. See, that's my opinion. Right? There's nothing in God's word about what ugly tie Andy chooses to wear. <laughs> I'm not saying it's an ugly tie. I'm just saying. It's an example, illustration. Right? There's nothing in my Bible about, that's my preference. You know, there's nothing in the Bible about that. We always joke about the color of the carpet. There's nothing in the Bible about what color of carpet to, to put down. Or how loud the sound system should be. Or what color the paint is. Or how bright the lights are. Or whether you do this music or that. There's, there's not anything. That's our preference. Now, think about what causes most disunity. Preference. It's preference. Don't go admonish somebody because you don't like their tie. But if you're, you've got a friend or a brother or sister in Christ that's clearly living outside of God's word, take God's word and show them where their life is out. See, we live in victory when we follow the expectations of God and remember who it is we are in Christ. It's time for us to rise up as a church and stop sitting back and playing defense. Anybody ever watch that movie Gladiator? It, probably not. I mean, you know, if you don't, I, I just love those movies where they have shields and swords and, you know, I love that. And the guys that win are not the guys that fall back on their shields like this and take it because eventually somebody just takes one of those big axes, double things, and goes whack and cracks through it. The guys that are winning in Gladiator are the ones that are moving forward with their shields and, and going on having this offensive movement. And it's time for us to take up our swords, take our shields, our help, our salvation, the word of God, and move forward. Because the world, our schools, our jobs are not doing it for us. If we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? We win. We win. We get to ride horses with Jesus. How cool is that? It's time for us to stop acting like we're defeated. To do those things. 
and live that life that God wants us to. Sometimes we just need a reminder. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of who we are and what's expected. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that we're on the winning team. I heard this uh, story about uh, upward basketball, and the guy was, uh, you know, the kids couldn't really play that well, and it's got different levels. But one of these coaches that every time a kid ran by, you know, it's one of these little, the little kids who, you know, they don't even know which direction to go. They don't even know who to throw the ball to. They're just out there having fun, and all they want to do is touch the ball and then shoot it. That's what they want to do. But this coach, every time his kids, one of his kids would run by the side, he'd go, you're on my team. You're on my team. Okay, you're on my team. We're together. You're on my team. Just kept reminding him, we go this way. Well, you're on my team. We're going this way. You see them running down the floor. Come on, we're going this way. You're on my team. You're on my team. And you see little kids, I'm on his team. I'm on his team. I'm on his team. And he'd go, I'm going this way. See, Paul is reminding the Colossians, you're on his team. You're on God's team if, if you are a believer in Christ. And we need to go that way. By putting all that junk out of our lives. Being kind and compassionate and being the person that God wants us to be. See, there's folks who came in here this morning who just need, just need a breath of victory in their life. There's folks who have come in here this morning who just need a fresh wind blown across them. There's folks in here who have come in who that never got by that first verse, if you were raised in Christ, because they're going, I wonder if that means me, if I've ever been raised in Christ. Our musicians are going to come up, and we're going to have this thing called an invitation. And here's what it is. And, and I don't, I'm not saying this to be funny. I want you to understand. I am not inviting you to do anything. Okay? An invitation is so God is in, inviting you to do something. Or God is inviting you to follow his direction. And this invitation is from God to say, please respond to what it is I'm asking of you. See, if you came in here dejected this morning, if you came in here downtrodden, if you came in here living a, in, an inconsequential Christian life, today's the day that you need to come and say, hey, I want that to change. You don't need to talk to me. I'm not that good to tell you what to do. You need to get on your face before God and say, I need you to blow across me. I need to be, I want my life to change this morning. I want it to be different this morning. If you are the, that person who doesn't know Christ, you need to come this morning and say, I want to start this relationship with Jesus. I want to start this time with Christ and this relationship with Christ. I need to be born again and I'm ready for this to start. And I want that to start today. We can tell you how to do that. You just may need to come down and say, man, my list of expectations is really, really not, not where it needs to be. God's expectations of me are not what, where I need them to be. It's not where he's happy with them. It's not where I'm happy with them. You might need to come down this morning and just say, you know, 
just tell me. I, I love it when men are just honest and go, I have a pro- problem with internet pornography and I need to know what to do. Don't ask if you don't want to know. You might need to come this morning and just pray for that husband or that wife you, that, that, that's not the person that God wants them to be. That child, that grandchild. You might need to come this morning and join this church. You might need to come this morning and, and say, I've never been baptized, but I want to be because that's who God wants me to be. Or you may just need to come down and pray this morning and say, you know what? God, thank you for the reminder of what you expect of me. Or God, thank you for the reminder of who I am in you. So easy to take it for granted. It's so easy for us to get relaxed and hidden behind our shield. Maybe this is the morning you need to ask God, I need to, I, I, I'm ready. I've got my shield, I've got my sword, and I'm ready to make a difference. And you just need to pray and tell him that. Our praise team is going to lead us. Matt and I will be down here at the front. We're not going to tarry. We're not going to go on and on and on. We just want you to know that we're down here and we want to be helpful to you in what it is that God would have you do. See, it's your choice. Seek the things of God. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on those things. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything that God directs you to do. If you've been raised in Christ, one of the things that we should desire is to follow what God would have us do in our lives. Right? Then all I ask this morning is that you do that. That you do what God has asked you to do. That you respond in a way that God would have you respond. Don't make me happy. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember what the expectations are. And please, friends, remember we're on the winning team. Remember we win. I'm going to pray and we're going to come. Andy's going to lead us. And you come as God directs you. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Emmanuel is located at 1415 South Topeka in Wichita, Kansas, and is easily accessible from all parts of the city and surrounding areas. Each Sunday morning, Emmanuel offers two worship services. The first service begins at 10 a.m. and offers a contemporary worship service in a casual and relaxed setting. Our second worship service begins at 11 a.m. and is led by the Emmanuel Choir and Orchestra. Both services are centered around strong biblical teaching where the Bible is presented in a clear and relevant way. Life groups for adults and children of all ages are offered at 9.45 a.m. and 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.ibcwichita.com. That's www.ibcwichita.com.